Representative Kate Clunk of Southern York County has a sense of mission to her service in the Pennsylvania House of Representatives. I recently talked with her about her passions and why common sense seems to be so uncommon in Harrisburg. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Welcome to Brews and Views. I'm Matt Briette, president of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. I'm downtown Harrisburg at Little Lamps Coffee with State Representative Kate Klunk. Uh, catching up right before you go into session, I appreciate that you're joining me here for Brews and Views. Good morning, Matt. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be here today. Well, it's always a challenge when someone says, well, I don't drink coffee and we're, you know, Brews and Views, There's, but, but you got your chai. So I got it's my close. chai. That's uh, <laughs> about as close to coffee as I'm going to get. Uh, well, uh, uh, good. Good for you, uh, having stayed, you know, I can't stay away from the caffeine. It's one of those things that now I have to always have every single morning. So. Well, people ask me how I got through college and uh, three years of law school without drinking coffee, but I don't think you want to see me on caffeine. <laughs> you did it, though. You did it. Uh, well, I appreciate your coming on because uh, we want to talk about uh, you as a person, kind of the, the, the person behind the politician, as I like to say, uh, and then talk about some of the policy issues that you're passionate about. Uh, since coming to Harrisburg and the things that you hope to get done. So um, I noted that uh, you pretty much go back to the founding of this country uh, or even before in terms of your family uh, here in Pennsylvania. I think you're a ninth generation uh, um, clunk in this uh, in yes. this area. Your family's been in the Hanover area, central part of of Pennsylvania. Yeah, tell so us our, about that. So our family goes back to um, the mid 1700s here in Pennsylvania. Uh, most of my family were German Catholics, and they came to Pennsylvania in search of religious freedom. Mm. Um, they saw Pennsylvania as that beacon of liberty, where they could practice as um, they so choose. Because at that time in Germany, um, there was the big movement of Reformation, and um, you know Lutheranism was taking hold, and Catholics were being pushed out. So uh, they came to Pennsylvania and found their home in uh, then York County, mm -hmm. now Adams County, Pennsylvania. Okay. And and uh, how far has your family moved now from where they not, originally not were? Far. Not far. Not far. <laughs> um, I live about three miles from the original Clunk homestead. And is that still in the family, the homestead? No, it's, no? it's not. Um, it's not. It's um, the, There's a, a farm still on the property, um, but there's a development there where most of the, the farm was. But it's neat. Every single time I drive by, I think of um, you know our, our family and where we came from. And so t tell me about your family, uh, brothers, sisters, your parents. What, what did they do? And uh, tell us about uh, you growing up. Sure. So uh, my dad was one of seven children, uh, uh. the youngest of seven. Um, um, and married my mom. And interesting story. So my dad's side of the family, um, my papa clunk, he was a state representative um, huh? from 70 to 72 Democrat. Okay. Catholic Democrat uh, from Adams County, Dan Mouse's current okay. seat. And um, so when my, my mom married my dad, she was the only non-Catholic, non-Democrat <laughs> Uh, marrying into the family, she also was a Yankees fan, and my dad was an Orioles fan. Okay, so, it was a so big, very much a mixed marriage. It, huh? it really was. <laughs> um, so it, it's it's amazing how I uh, turned out. I'm a, a Republican, uh -huh. um, and uh, 
Republican Lutheran, because my mom was a Lutheran, she also wasn't a Catholic. Um, so Republican Lutheran Orioles fan. Okay. So um, my mom won two of the three, <laughs> and my dad won on sports. So you know that's that's how that all hey, at turned least, out. At least you broke it up a little bit. And so. that's where you know my dad and I, I was the oldest of three. I have a um, younger brother and then a younger sister. And uh, he, he was always very instrumental in our sports growing up. He coached my softball team, my brother's baseball team, my sister's softball team. Um, so, you know, growing up, my parents were always super involved. My mom was involved in the PTO. And I've always had this sense of giving back. Mm -hmm. um, that's kind of been the family mantra mm -hmm. for generations, really, and being involved in our local community. So, you know, when this opportunity came up, I, I really said, you know, it's always been our family's duty, if you will, to serve mm -hmm. um, and give back to the local community. So well, before we get to that, so uh, w when you grew up, were your was your family involved politically? Uh, were they I mean, you, you noted somebody uh, in your family having that. Uh, but were your parents, you know, active politically? In um, the community? My, my dad was um, with some uh, Democrat candidates growing up. So I you know saw that I actually went uh, to the White House under President Clinton. Huh? Um, at that point, my dad was actively involved with the York Democrats okay. and they had done a bus trip down um, to help sort mail for the president they would that was back when you know they would bring in volunteers and security was so much different and I'll never forget we were in the EEOB sorting mail sorting children's mail <laughs> And it was the anniversary of the Tea Party and this, um, the Boston Tea Party and the school from Boston had sent the president all of these notes about the Boston Tea Party and included all of these tea bags with it. <laughs> and it was it was the, the cutest thing, uh, but clearly a, a different, different president. Yeah. And then coming back years later to end up working at the White House, it was pretty amazing, you know, coming full circle, being there first mm -hmm. under a Democrat and then getting to work. Under a under Republican. Republican. Yeah. So did you have uh, conversations about politics and uh, and at what point, uh, you know, having a lot of Democratic background, did you say, uh, I'm a Republican here? Sorry. So so it's interesting. You know, growing up, it was always, you know, I always wanted to watch the debates. I distinctly remember mm -hmm. watching, um, you know, the debate between Bush 41 and Dukakis in my parents' bedroom. I would always want to stay up late and sit at the end of their bed, watching watching the debates, watching the conventions, um, whether it was Republican or Democrat, mm. just because I had this innate sense of politics mm. um, at a young age. And I think it went back to my grandfather and just feeling a very close connection to him. And um, not sure why, uh -huh. uh, but always have felt a strong connection to him and his his service. And he had a really interesting story. He, um, his mother had passed away um, when he was young. It was back in the um, you know early 1900s when the Spanish flu was going around. She had passed away from the flu. Her his uh, sister had as well, and then his dad had remarried, and they had a couple more children. Well, then his dad dies of the flu. Mm. And then his stepmother passes away. Um, she ended up committing suicide. She was um, early 20s, had six children, three wow. of her own and three um, stepchildren. And I think it was just unfortunately too much for her to manage. She was managing mm. uh, my great grandfather's business at the time. He had a cigar factory. So I think it was just unfortunately too much for her to take. And my grandfather was taken in by um, a woman who had worked at that cigar factory. Mm. So, you know, he, he always had that sense of, you know, 
politics and giving back and just again that service to community and taking care of people mm-hmm. and you as know, the community uh, took care of him uh, exactly. in that difficult time exactly and that's that's kind of the neat story about mm-hmm. being a state rep now is i hear the stories about when my grandfather was a state rep or when he was he was county party chair of the democratic mm-hmm. party in adams county for over 20 some <laughs> years um and people come up to me and say you know your grandfather was the one who made sure we had thanksgiving dinner mm. or he was the one mm. who made sure we had food on the table we had shoes mm. uh, because my great uncle he owned a shoe um shoe store so my grandfather would buy shoes from him and whenever he found out that there were families that didn't have shoes for their children or you know the parents he would make sure that they would have shoes Hmm. so uh, you have this democratic background Mm -hmm. in your family what was it that you said you know what that's not where I'm at and uh, why did you uh, you know say I am a Republican and then you know obviously running as such so it's interesting if you pull my grandfather's campaign materials Hmm. from 1970 to 1972 (laughs) I could put my name on it yeah pretty much except for um, you know the the pro-union platform but for him I think it was more Mm pro-worker it wasn't necessarily pro-union it was it was for the average ordinary working man and And the private sector sector yeah. um, because he was a small bit bu- my, my, my papa clunk was a small business owner mm. he owned a pretzel factory he owned a couple restaurants he was very entrepreneurial mm-hmm. um, yeah so. it's pretty amazing when you look at the literature uh, from you know 30 40 50 years ago uh, the parties all embraced capitalism free enterprise uh, you know uh, smaller government uh, it is really a transition uh, it, over the years. It really has. And, and it, it was really telling for me when I, you know, pulled that when I was planning on running and I pulled my, my <laughs> Pat Ball's materials. <laughs> and I thought, it's just amazing how far we have changed from the early 1970s until now, you know, politically on the spectrum and, and where Democrats have gone. And, and that, I think, for me and my family. And if you look at, you know, my dad's one of seven overwhelmingly most of them have now come to the Republican Party. Mm. My cousins, most of them have come to the Republican Party because the Democrat Democrat Party kind of left left them. Um, They left us. And and that's where, um, you know, even having that discussion with my father, I worked in D.C. for Congressman Platts. I was in college, you know, 2000 happened, um, Mm. you know, loved George Bush. And I'm there and, you know, my dad's a, you know, my parents are Democrats, but (laughs) I really like George Bush and, you know, the whole Republican Party is just speaking to me. And then September 11th happens. Mm -hmm. And for me, that solidified (laughs) my stance as a Republican Mm. and being in college and seeing the, the liberal response, mm. if you will, mm-hmm. um, in, in the rhetoric from my political science teachers, from my economics teachers, in really, um, you know, poo-pooing free markets. Mm-hmm. Um, and and econo- taking economics courses for me really, truly opened up my mm. mind mm. to, um, you know, free market capitalism and letting the market work and, and, you know, giving the power back to the people to make the choice um, and not interfering in in markets so that you know for me politically was kind of an awakening early 2000s my my college years I interned for congressman Todd Platts mm-hmm. and decided uh, that's when I ca- kind of got the bug um, and that's when I again reaffirmed yes I am a Republican mm-hmm. everything that I've been taught um, about being Democrat I, really that hey 
we're we're Republicans. Mm-hmm. Um, take a look at this." And he, he, you know, he finally realized that. My, you know, my mom. Um, interesting story. When my parents married, my grandfather had passed away at the time, but my uncle was still kind of the torchbearer in the family for the Democratic cause. And my mom had to move from York County to Adams County. So in their wedding card, it said, upon completion of this form, you will receive your wedding check. And it was a change of registration, already completed, (laughs) (laughs) with their full name and, and Democrat checked. And so... Mom said, well, you know, that would be a nice down, you know, help help down payment on the house. So, you know, no one needs to know how I'm going to vote. Right, right. <laughs> Register as you please, right? So, so she, you know, she registered and voted as, as she wanted uh, for years. But now, you know, my, my parents switched over. Um, you know, they became Republicans. My brothers and sisters were Republicans. And, and that's what we, you know, the, those are the values that we really, truly have believed in. Um, it's just, you know, and I think in talking with people, especially in my district, older Democrats, um, you're seeing the switch over mm. to become Republicans because they truly realize, especially what's go- with it, what is going on in the country right now with the Democratic Party, mm-hmm. they don't believe that the Democratic Party upholds their values, their way of life, and that the Republican Party really, truly does. So we're seeing them, them come over to our side more and more. Well, at what point uh, did you say... I think I would like to run for office. I'm willing to put my uh, name out there and uh, on the ballot and all of that scrutiny that comes with it, the attention. Uh, at what point did you say, that's what that's what I want to pursue? Well, for me, it was always at some point. Okay. I wanted to run and give back because, again, you know, our family, that was, that was it. You always gave back in some sort of way. Um, and I was always active in school politics from student council to um, class officer, mm-hmm. key club, um, you know, captain of the volleyball team, captain of the softball team. Leadership was just always innate Mm -hmm. in me, always trying to step up to do the right thing. And so um, I go back to, I actually found it a couple weeks ago in my um, big box. My my mom was cleaning out things and said, here guys, (laughs) here's each of your boxes that I've been keeping Uh for you. And in it was the drawing that I had done and um, the little narrative about what do you want to be when you grow up? I think it was first or second grade. And it's a, a drawing of me in my Hanover Nighthawk sweatshirt. <laughs> our, our colors are orange and black. My orange sweatshirt. And it says, I want to be the first woman president hmm. when I grow up. And looking back on it now, <laughs> I, I, I don't really want to be president because <laughs> um, I've, I've you know, been That's there, still worked open. there. That it's, still uh, hasn't been achieved yet. So. No, and I'm old enough now yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> where I could make the decision. But at this point, you know, it, it's uh, not really something that's still a, a, a dream and, and a goal of mine because I'm actually really happy where I'm at right now. Um, and when this opportunity came up, so um, the state house seat, it was a new seat that was created through redistricting. It was a seat that was moved from Philadelphia to York County. I, I joke with um, Representative Ed Nielsen. He used to have the 169th district when it was in Philadelphia. Mm. It's moved to York County. I always joke it's it's in a much better place right now, Ed. Um, <laughs> well, and this is because of population correct. shifts. You've been growing in the We've been growing part, yeah. um, on the southern end of York County and really, truly all across the Mason-Dixon border from Franklin County, Adams County, York, Lancaster. And Philly was seeing decline in population mm-hmm. 10 years ago. So that's why the seat moved. 
And so it was an open seat. Um, I knew it was going to be um, a safe for a Republican seat. I knew I had a shot. And I and I thought that I had legit experience. Um, I was a private practice attorney at the time, um, had worked for the Bush administration, mm-hmm. had some really good public policy experience, had uh, worked for a congressman, really knew my community, um, and was going to be an opportunity for me to step up and serve the people who had given me so much and be able to give back. So it was one of those, you never know unless you try. What's right. The, what's the worst yeah. thing that could happen? I oh, I lose, and I still am an attorney. And <laughs> right. So threw my name in the ring, and it was uh, the best decision that I ever made mm. um, because now I get to serve the people who you know I've known for all of my life, um, get to solve their problems, be their voice in Harrisburg, be their advocate, and stand up for what we want, mm-hmm. um, which is lower taxes, limited government, um, and and really that free market approach. And a fight for that democratic platform of uh, 40 years ago, right? That your grandfather. Exactly, uh, exactly. For. It's, it's um, and it, it, because that hasn't changed. Yeah. Those values of the district of, you know, South Central mm. Pennsylvania haven't changed mm-hmm. in, in all that time um, because we're, you know, the, we're those those very thrifty Germans <laughs> who want, you know, government to stay out of, you know, stay out yeah, of the way. Yeah. Um, let us do our thing. Uh, we're doing a great job and just let us keep prospering and building businesses and educating our students the way that we know how. And we'll, we'll be just fine down yeah, here in Southern yeah. York County. Yeah. We don't need uh, Harrisburg or Washington, D.C. Exactly. Uh, so uh, what gets you uh, fired up? You've kind of, you've had uh, a few years under your belt now and you kind of know the, you know where the bathrooms are in the Capitol building and you can you're learning the, all the process. Uh, what is it that you've become passionate about to say, you know what, this is what Kate Clunk is going to um, you know, pursue in your time, however much time the voters uh, allow you to, to serve in this capacity? So, you know, for the first, you know, session, it, you really need to just figure out where the bathrooms yeah. are and who's who and how this whole process works. Mm-hmm. Um, because it, it's, there's a lot involved yeah. um, procedurally and knowing, you know, what motions are being made and how we're going to vote on a procedural motion versus are, are, are we voting on the bill and <laughs> are we reverting back to a prior printer's number? All of those you know quirks of, of the system and then once you get that under your belt you can really truly delve into the issues so for me the second term was where I finally I think found my policy niches mm-hmm. and areas that were really important to me because it, it gave me those two years to really understand the district what were the dynamics what were people really truly wanting um, out of me and out of um, you know out of Harrisburg and that was when um, in 27. Uh, we had that moment where, well, we need to figure out how we're going to pay for this budget. Yeah. And the options that you're giving us are just not going to cut uh-huh. it. Uh, the increasing taxes, the borrowing, it's just not going to work. And I was actually uh, pregnant at the time with Grace. And that for me was, I think, the turning moment. Uh, because for me, I was sitting there thinking, we are going to be straddling my daughter. Well, mm-hmm. I didn't know if it was going to be a boy or a girl, but my baby with debt mm-hmm. for 30 some years. And so by the time he or she is my age at the time, that's when we would be paying it off. Right. And it made that decision very, very real. For spending today, right? For spending yeah, today, yeah, yeah. we would be paying it off yeah. by the time she was th- he or she was, yeah. was 30. <laughs> and it, for me, that was enough. Mm. Enough. We have to stop this mm-hmm. because my daughter, her generation... They, they need a good, fiscally responsible Pennsylvania now mm-hmm. so that they have a good state 
by the time that she is of age to have a job and have a family on her own. Mm -hmm. So that for me was kind of that turning point of we need to be more fiscally responsible. I joined the Common Sense Caucus, Mm -hmm. um, group of ragtag members. Which isn't so common uh, in Harrisburg. (laughs) You know, we always joke that there's a caucus for that. Um, Common Sense, you got it. Come and join the Common Sense Caucus. So, you know, we we sat down and we really, really dug through, um, you know, budget books that hadn't been looked at yeah. in years you know the governor gives you that big fat budget book and you know people use it as a you know a, a doorstop a doorstop yeah. or you know just to look pretty on your desk but you know for us we we, we sat down and actually looked through it mm-hmm. to really truly find areas where we could bring tan- transparency to the budget process um where there were some funds that weren't properly being utilized for the taxpayer. Mm-hmm. And that's that was, I think, the most appalling uh, part of it all was that there were hundreds of millions of dollars sitting in these special funds mm-hmm. that were not being used for the taxpayer. It was just money not being well spent. Um, well, it's because in many ways uh, it's been uh, the, the funding had been set on autopilot. Correct. And just said, all right, here's a tax or a fee. It goes into this fund and it just started starts piling up, whether they needed it in that fund or not. And I mean, to your credit and your colleagues, uh, really dug into this. And of course, uh, Governor Wolf uh, and some of uh, those who wanted to uh, would rather uh, tax and borrow uh, poo pooed a lot of this. But uh, lo and behold, I think the governor in his last budget uh, went into some of the very funds that you guys were pointing out. Hey, there's money sitting here. Taxpayers have already contributed. Let's not ask the taxpayers for more money before we exhaust all of the resources that have already been paid in government coffers. Matt, he saw the light. He finally (laughs) saw the light. And he finally found that York County, County common sense, um, <laughs> that we all have from your County. Yeah. And, uh, you know, which it had evaded him for some for, reason for, being from for York a number, County. <laughs> number of years here. Um, yes, the governor finally saw the light. And I think that we have helped change that culture mm-hmm. up here where we're not going to let, you know, these special funds be controlled by, you know, those in the know mm-hmm. and those who know where these funds exist and how they operate. And honestly, information is power. Mm-hmm. And informa- that information for average ordinary members really blew the lid on that budget and every budget here since. And I think this next one, um, you know, with the governor being willing to look at those for, um, you know, some of the coverage for DEP. And th- that's what we were saying back in 2017 you know, was, look, we have money in mm-hmm. all of these environmental type funds that are just sitting here, hundreds of millions of dollars. And we need to make sure that our parks are working, that our environment is being protected mm-hmm. and we need to be able to fund DEP and DCNR. Why can't we take some of the funds that are just sitting here not being utilized and use them to fund those particular agencies to make sure that our you know environment is protected, mm-hmm. that our permits are getting out there and that our businesses can keep doing you know their work in a timely fashion um, and that we have the park great parks that we enjoy here in Pennsylvania and the wonderful environment that we have. But well, do you think that there is a, a better understanding of, of what has been called the shadow budget? Because yes. that there's there's this money that's in the shadow of the general fund budget. I mean, we focus a lot on thirty billion, but there's another fifty odd billion 
uh, that's spent by state government, but no one, no one ever, no yeah. one ever really sees that, and it's uh, appropriated by bureaucrats at, mm -hmm. at the agencies by uh, for pet projects of particular senators or representatives or honestly the governor for mm -hmm. that matter, yeah. um, which is honestly what we saw. Uh, we you know we really truly thought that no one uh, wanted us to see that so that the governor could go out you know in an election mm -hmm. year and and be able to hand out all of those pretty checks um, you know across Pennsylvania and you know spend a little bit more than we have in the past out of those funds so and that's exactly what we what we saw happen so and I know that that has helped to shape a lot of your caucus so you had this common sense caucus which was a small part of the Republican caucus but I think uh, your caucus has embraced a lot of this philosophy of like look we've got a you know 80 90 billion dollar total you know state budget uh, we ought to be exhausting every you every know, option out op there. That's because right. Because the, the we owe it to the taxpayers to do that. Um, every single dollar that you pay in a fee or a tax is coming to Harrisburg, and we need to, no matter if it goes into the general you know fund or if it goes into one of these special funds, we need to make sure that we are appropriating that. To, to really uphold the values mm -hmm. of you know the taxpayer in their pocketbook and if we're not doing that we're not doing our job mm -hmm. so for us as a Republican caucus you know generally speaking that's that's what we want we want to try and bring that transparency out there and make sure that every single dollar that's sent to Harrisburg is, is spent wisely and used effectively for the people back home well I know another issue that uh, you've been on top of of late and leading uh, is an effort to inform public employees about their uh, Janus rights, and this dates back to uh, summer of 2018 when the U.S. Supreme Court ruled in favor of Mark Janus, who was an Illinois um, uh, social worker uh, who had, was suing AFSCME, the union, uh, for violating his First Amendment rights, freedom of association, uh, by compelling Mark to pay the union just to keep his job. Um, and uh, the ruling went in favor of Mark uh, Janus uh, back in uh, uh, June of 2018, before they had to pay fair share fees and, and so forth. Um, you've taken up the cause to inform public employees of these rights because what uh, we found is that um, many public employees are uh, unaware. And of course, the unions have zero incentive to inform public employees that they don't have to pay uh, dues or fees to the union. Um, you would think this would be sort of a, a no-brainer of informing public employees of their constitutional rights, um, but it's not as uh, easy as one would have thought, is it? No, it, it, <laughs> it, it's not. You know, co again, common sense. The right, <laughs> it's not so common. The, 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 right, the right thing to do up here in Harrisburg would be to be inform people of their rights. It's just the right thing to do, period, full mm -hmm. stop, no matter where or in what section of life, right? Mm -hmm. um, we, you know, we inform people of their rights all the time if they're being arrested. Mm -hmm. Miranda rights, mm -hmm. right? Every single police officer, if they're arresting somebody, has to provide that person with their Miranda rights. Uh, we have to provide rights on, um, you know, notices to employees on sexual harassment policy, mm -hmm. what your benefits are. Mm -hmm. um, if you're if you're injured, here's the hotline on where to call for, for workers' comp right? Um, and, and report that injury. Um, what are your post rights? Post-minimum wage on the post wall, Post-minimum right? yeah, wage right. on the wall. And EEOC yes. requirements. Yes. Um, you know, a slew of other fed, you know, federal requirements for, um, you, you name it, mm -hmm. we, we post it or we inform you. Because, again, it's the right thing to do. And history has shown that sometimes there are, unfortunately, employers out there 
that are not fully informing their workers of what their rights are. In and fact, misinforming. I think we found out that the UFCW, which is the liquor store union um, uh, for the clerks in the liquor stores, was actually misinforming, telling employees that they had to be a part of the union. Is that correct? Well, and that's that's what we're hearing, yeah. um, you know, across the board, is that there are unions out there. Not every not every union, mm-hmm. um, because there are some unions out there that are f- right. informing their employees, uh, informing these fair share um, payers of their rights under Janus, and I applaud them for mm-hmm. that because they are being true to their purpose mm-hmm. as a, an organization and informing workers of their rights, whether members or non-members. Um, and, and so that's great. But there are these actors out there, these unions that are not doing that. And that's why we have this bill mm-hmm. to fill that gap um, for the instance of uh, a case where a worker might not know their rights. And, and look, Workers don't always know their rights, and I know this yeah. because I have, uh, you know, been at parties and, and different things with friends um, and family members, and I'll just say, "Hey, do you do you know about this particular um, Janice decision? Mm-hmm. Well, who who's what's what's who's Janice? Janice? Yeah. <laughs> who is she? Who, who, who is she? <laughs> well, it's Mark. He, uh, you know, won the Supreme Court case, yes, and yes. now you know, fair share. Payers don't have to be compelled to pay their fair share fee um, as a condition of employment. And and I get this look usually, oh, really? Hmm. That's what that's about. Well, can you tell me more? And as I start to explain it to them, you, you really come to realize that there are so many employees out there in state government and local municipalities and in school districts that truly don't know their rights. Because, look, they're, they're busy raising their right. families. They're worried about, you know, making sure that their mortgage payment is paid on time and that their car, you know, that their this car payments. This was a big change from uh, many, many years right. of they're, practice. And, and, yeah. and, and look, they're, they're just kind of operating business as usual. And unless they were reading the paper, unless you know their union or their employer was pr- properly informing them of their their Janus rights, they don't know about it. Mm-hmm. They're they're sleeping you know soundly at night, thinking that everything is 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 fine and usual, and but it's not. So they so they have actually had this great right under you know the Supreme Court decision if they're a fair share pay, fair share payer where now they don't have to anymore if they don't want to right right and if they want to be if a part wa- of the union they, they absolutely they, they can, can. Join. and that's actually yes. that's the beauty of america yeah. look we're all about freedom here freedom of choice yeah. and you know my bill um that we have now look it, it it looks much different than last session and it was through really working together in um hearing out those on uh, all those different stakeholders from the unions from the the employees to the you know the outside groups who advocate for worker freedom um employ employers and and their um you know the the onus that will be put on them Mm -hmm. through my bill Mm -hmm. um and really trying to come up with a piece of legislation that everyone can coalesce around that's not um necessarily pro you know pro-union or anti-union yeah. it's just hey here are your rights well so, and a lot of folks have said oh this is an anti-union bill um and it's not of course it's just not. yeah but what 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 are what's the continued pushback that you are getting from unions that say no this is unnecessary uh we don't need this um why why are they resistant to letting workers know their janus rights honestly i truly don't know because <laughs> unions the the whole reason behind unions was to protect worker rights mm-hmm. correct right and and so now it's almost like they are fighting against letting workers know their rights which is against exactly what they stand for um, because unfortunately these individuals are not their union 
workers. Mm-hmm. Um, they just happen to be non-union workers. But in my in my view, the while the union, you know, is beholden, if you will, to their their dues payers and their union members. The employer has a duty to all employees. So my bill, it doesn't require the union to do anything. We're not asking them to inform any right. member or non-member anything. It's about the public school. It is about school the public or the, school yes, yeah. or the local township yeah. or the borough or the state government, mm-hmm. the LCB. Yeah telling them, look, employer, it is your duty, just like it's your duty to tell that particular individual of your workplace harassment policy, mm-hmm. your workplace um, smoking policy, right, right. your workplace benefits, <laughs> whatever those you know guidelines might be, this is another one of those um, rights and policies that, that's out there. And so, um, you know, the, the bill is less than three pages long. It's a real quick read. Um, and it provides notice to um, current, well, previous fair share payers. Um, mm-hmm. If you fall into that bucket, we send you a notice. Uh, the employer sends you a notice and says, hey, look, under the Supreme Court ruling, yep. you are no longer compelled as a condition of employment to pay these fair share fees. Does this affect collective bargaining? No. Does it uh, um, reduce the ability for unions to negotiate for salary and and benefits? Absolutely not. So it it, it really doesn't address some of the core functions of unionism, just informing employees of their their First Amendment rights. Yeah. Yet it's like trying to move a mountain when it should be a molehill. It is. (laughs) It is. And and that, it really, truly, um, you know, blows my mind when people say no and, 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 you know, I think it's because people are afraid, you know, of unions. Up until, what was it, a year or so ago, uh, Chairman Marsico at the time, Ron Marsico, had the bill, the union intimidation bill. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you up until, you know, a year or so ago, yeah. you could threaten, bomb, yes. uh, use a, a, anything, weapons, weapons of, of mass, mass destruction, destruction <laughs> to, you know, inflict fear yeah. um, during a, a bargaining dispute. Yeah. And, and to the, the credit of unions, they've been able to codify a lot of protections for workers that are in law today. And absolutely. so the function of unions in the past of protecting workers, they've they've done a great job. But now it seems that they're trying to, you know, maybe like the East Berliners, not wanting to tell people that the wall is down. You can go over to West Berlin. Right. They don't want to inform people that uh, the walls are down. Um, and understandably so, because uh, if more people decide to exercise their right not to join a union, the unions look at it as just a financial decision, and that's why I'm sure that uh, you're seeing the resistance and, you are. And to, to those people who push back and, and, and say, oh, well, this is going to hurt unions, I look at them and say, look, this is the free market. Yeah. This is the free market It's only going approach. to hurt if you're not providing you're not a value to the value workers. Value and, and a good yeah. service to them, right. and for the value, you know, that and for the money that they're paying. So if if they can justify paying, say, five hundred dollars a year for the services that they're getting back in collective bargaining, in potential representation, um, you know, for a legal issue at work, look, then 
hey, that might be a value to Mm -hmm. them. Um, But you, Union, have to step up and be able to argue for that and show them that it is a value and and compete in a a free market way on it. Um, So, and and look, in in some cases, we are seeing that more people are, you know, in in particular unions that provide a great service Mm -hmm. and and, and value and bang for the buck. Um, We are seeing some people go that way. But again, that's up to the worker to decide. We need to give that individual that choice. And right now, when they don't know, they don't really truly have a choice. Indeed. Well, after you get this done, uh, what's next on your horizon? What are you What are you really passionate about getting done next? Getting done next. Well, um, I have a, a couple bills in the hopper. Another one is uh, Down syndrome protection mm. bill um, that I'm working on with the speaker, focusing on protecting life. Um, you know, in the in the womb and not um, discriminating against um, a baby before they're born strictly mm-hmm. because of a Down syndrome diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So um, that's a, an issue on the the, the pro life side. Why of things. would we want to get rid of the some of the happiest people in our world? Mm. Right? They're, they're just <laughs> such a, a joy to be around. Yeah. Um, I had some guests up last week um, as we were advocating for the bill, and it was probably one of my most uh, favorite days in Harrisburg. Um, because of that, it also offset um, the number of union amendments um, <laughs> that were put on um, House Bill 785. Um, so, you know, they, they brought a lot of joy to me during yeah. a day that, that could have been a, a little bit difficult for me, but they really, truly helped put things in perspective. Well, unfortunately, in Pennsylvania, it's still... Uh, um, uh, uh, protecting life uh, enjoys uh, bipartisan support it and does. Uh, hopefully uh, we'll continue to see that to develop so it I does. wish you well in that. Thank you. We have a bi- bipartisan pro-life caucus. Um, Anita Kulik is our chair on the Democratic side. She's a wonderful woman who stands up for life and we have a number of Democrat members who are co-sponsors of the bill because you know there are issues here in Pennsylvania where we all can rally mm-hmm. around and, and where we can that's that's where we should go. Well, Representative Kate Clunk, thanks for joining me here on Brews and Views. I enjoyed uh, uh, talking with you, hearing about your family and the things that you're passionate about. And I wish you well uh, in this uh, current legislative session. Thanks so much. It was an honor. You've been listening to Brews and Views, a production of Commonwealth Partners Chamber of Entrepreneurs. Find us on Facebook at Commonwealth Partners and follow Matt Briette at M-A-T-T-B-R-O-U-I-L-L-E-T-T-E.